0: Field marketing, hands down, begins and ends with your sales team. Build that relationship, take that time, have an intimate knowledge of who their target accounts are, what works for them, what doesn't. I think that to be successful, you have to be fully aligned and in lockstep with your sales organization. And that's from the SDR to the account executive to your area directors to your VP. And make sure that you're able to understand what their expectations are. What does success look like? And then also set your expectations because you're not an assistant to sales, you're a strategic partner. Welcome to the State of Sales Enablement Podcast with your host, Felix Kruger. Insights and actionable advice from B2B marketing and sales experts that share what it takes to achieve sales enablement excellence.
1: My guest in today's episode is a B2B SaaS expert in field marketing, which some might consider the OG account based marketing. She has helped build world leading field marketing organizations for fast growth startups. Since the recording of this episode, she has moved from database company CoachBase to revenue intelligence platform Gong, which has just closed a Series E funding round of 250 million US dollars. Please welcome Lindsay Baggett. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: So in terms of your specific role in field marketing, like for the Australian audience in particular, in Australia, you often have, especially mid-sized organizations, we're nowhere nearly as well resourced as some of the American companies like Couchbase are locally. What is the difference between field marketing, which is your role, and product marketing and sales enablement? What are the differences and where are the overlaps
0: I see product marketing really as the team that's building out the messaging, how we communicate our value proposition. And then sales enablement is really to help establish processes as well as content and material so that the sales can more effectively get in front of their prospects and communicate that value. And then field marketing is a little bit of sales enablement. And we do leverage a lot of the content that product marketing puts out. But I see my job as when I try to explain it to my relatives, for example, I see my job as basically getting our salespeople in front of their target prospects in front of the right people in their target accounts so that they can help initiate conversations and develop relationships and also build awareness where we need to build awareness. So I think there's kind of like three tiers to fill marketing I see it as awareness, engagement or increasing engagement, and then also acceleration, helping accelerate deals through the sales cycle.
1: So is it fair to say that there's an ABM component to it?
0: Yes. I mean, I think there's several field marketers that would probably say that field marketing is like the OG ABM. And I think <laughs> ABM has definitely gotten more <laughs> sophisticated. But I would say that I'm an ABM marketer from way back. As far as I've been doing field marketing, we've only ever focused on top-tier accounts. And so our tactics are very similar.
1: Yeah. Awesome. OG ABM, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> In your role, you're obviously collaborating really closely with sales and the more sales people you can interact with, the bigger the impact is that you can make for coach base. What are some of the ways you scale the way you support your sales team and have as many conversations with the sales team as possible?
0: Yeah. So I'm meeting constantly with my sales team on a one-to-one basis Scaling is the hard part. How I meet with them, I typically like to meet with the account executive along with their SDR so that there's very close, tight-knit alignment between what field marketing is putting out and how the sales team can leverage it on one-to-one basis. I'm on all of the team calls, on forecast calls, on the QBRs, I'm in the SDR team call. Top to bottom, I'm meeting with everybody so that I can really understand what is it that they need where are they hurting? Where do they need awareness? Where do they need activation? Where do they need acceleration? And then just mm-hmm. getting really curious about the sales process for every single rep and then seeing how field marketing can bridge those gaps. And also like an enablement way, right? Sales enablement. How can we help the SDR team? I feel like, especially with the pandemic, a huge focus of mine has really transitioned, not just to creating really great field marketing events and campaigns, but Really helping the SDR team leverage them and use them strategically from a very tactical standpoint. It's so much more than just a single email invite. What's leading up to the email invite? What does the follow-up look like after an event? And really helping build out that strategy and the tactical steps they need to take to really get the most out of the field marketing activities that we're Mm -hmm. producing. And then how do I scale that? Sometimes I feel like I choose work or sleep. So... I think the easiest way for me to kind of scale those conversations is to see like from a film marketing standpoint, like where can we standardize certain processes or certain content and some of the tactical things that we do where I don't have to repeat the same conversation over and over again. Those things are, are kind of consolidated and some of the processes are also kind of adopted beyond just one rep. So there's that perfect balance of standard campaigns and standard process versus tailored strategy and, and tactics
1: so in terms of the collaboration between marketing and sales obviously you've got your quite well resourced marketing department you've got a large sales department and there's a whole lot of agendas and goals going on between those departments like how do you make sure you guys stay aligned and really work into the same direction
0: yeah i think for me i try to approach it with the perspective that film marketing is like the tip of the spear for all of marketing And so it's very important for field marketing to really understand what is the overarching strategy from the marketing team? What are their focuses? And then also, since we are so tightly aligned with sales, what is it that they need? What's going to help them sell? What do their prospects need? How do we communicate value so that they're able to schedule those meetings and follow up on those meetings and actually build pipeline? And so it's kind of like bridging that gap between the content that's coming out from marketing... And how do we leverage that so that it's tailored for those targeted prospects, those tier one and tier two accounts so that sales can actually sell to them and and get in front of them and break through? So I think one, how do we stay aligned? I think it's just constant communication, over-communicating and making sure that, I've heard the term like field marketers are kind of like the mini CMOs for the particular territory or region. I think being able to know everything that's going on and helping the sales team leverage it strategically right and tactically how can they leverage a demand gen webinar or there's a huge influx of third-party webinar leads what are they supposed to do with them and creating like a plan for all the leads no matter where they are in the funnel and maybe it's kind of telling them to like hold back or whatever but it's just i think it's the constant feedback loop the constant communication on what's coming down the pipe what to expect And like one example I have is I've started monthly, I call them like workshops essentially where I I have, this is an addition to like my one-on-one meetings with each of the reps and the SDR teams, but it's like a workshop to say, okay, like here's everything coming down the pipe. This is what the month looks like. So let's help segment. I know how they're segmenting their accounts so that aligns with the content that's coming out. And so we can target those prospects in alignment with the content. The workshop is to build out sequences with the SDR team so that we can effectively align the messaging that sales wants to put out with everything that marketing has so that we're driving traffic where we can and really just help build momentum where we need to build momentum. Build awareness where we need to build awareness and just being in constant communication of what they can use so that's like they're reaching out with fresh content and fresh material so they're not just mm. reaching out with the same tired sequence over and over and over again.
1: Yeah, yeah, makes sense. In terms of the kind of content formats that you use, so you mentioned you leverage webinars, probably particularly prominent during COVID 19. What are some of the other ways you utilize content to support the sales team?
0: Well, before COVID, Field Market was almost exclusively in person events, whether that was workshops, networking, regional conferences, or trade shows, and things like that. And then with COVID, obviously, it went 100% virtual. For us in particular, our demand gen team was, you know, doubled down and did even more webinars to kind of drum up MQLs and help drive awareness that we didn't lose any momentum. And so film marketing, obviously, we we went to 100% virtual format, but I also created kind of like a library of meeting incentive email campaigns for accounts where we weren't able to break through that they weren't engaging with us in an in-person format or maybe even a virtual event format, but to kind of further incentivize them to at least take a meeting and more of like an educational meeting with us. So that's like one example of something that we hadn't done before COVID, like in a direct email format. And then also getting very, very creative with some of the stuff that we're doing in our virtual events to keep things interesting, you know, hands on workshops. But also we just executed and piloted a very successful like virtual networking event that had a ton of different components to really engage the attendees and keep them engaged and keep them interested but keep it light and fun. So it really felt like a in-person, jovial networking event and wasn't just another jaded webinar.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. And uh, in terms of the actual performance of the different content formats that you've used, especially from a webinar point of view, have you seen a shift what works and what doesn't work so well during COVID-19?
0: The answer is yes. We have definitely seen a change in performance. And I would say the biggest thing to call out is our ability to Have even higher focus on our tier one and tier two accounts. Whereas before and pre COVID, we were limited to a particular city and the accounts within a city. We've had lots of accounts that were in more like tier three or tier four cities where there wasn't a huge concentration of our target accounts. And so there wasn't enough to even support a field marketing event when it was in person. And so now with COVID, with things being 100% virtual, we're now able to include those people in a very meaningful and targeted way. Now that we're able to narrow our aperture on who we're reaching out to in our tier one and tier two accounts, we've had a lot more success being able to break through those accounts with the virtual formats that we've experienced.
1: Mm, absolutely. In terms of the actual engagement levels during events, have you seen a change there? And has the actual content that you share during the event changed in a way?
0: Yeah, I would say pre-COVID, with a lot of our field marketing stuff, we had a lot of hands-on workshops. Also, we did a lot of networking events. They were purely networking events. They were very light on content. And then with COVID, obviously being virtual, there was a big transition where you, you can't really network the same way that you did in person. And so there was higher emphasis on having content for our field marketing virtual events. And so we've had to kind of upcycle existing content and use it in more creative ways or or chop it down or break it up and incorporate a lot of different elements. For example, we we upcycle content from our annual developer conference and we purposely use very short presentations and we broke it up with mixology demonstrations, buzzword bingo. I created buzzword bingo and I swear buzzword bingo is going to be on like my tombstone. I had a lot of naysayers. All the naysayers were saying like, okay, yes, like we did not believe in the buzzword bingo. But Who's we laughing just now? Kept... <laughs> Yeah, people love it. People love it there's a few reasons why I created it. One is it was going to go into a, a branded curated cocktail kit for these virtual mixology events. and I wanted to have as many pieces of beautifully branded collateral in it as possible without it being a data sheet or, or something like that. So we had beautiful couch-based buzzword bingo cards and buzzword bingo or couch-based bingo daubers in each of these boxes. And it was like never in my wildest days, I have to say, like did I ever think I'd be incorporating bingo into a film marketing event for a SaaS company, like B2B, like never, never have I ever. And so now it's like here, it was just like, okay, here, we've got this mixology event. Great. We've got content. Okay. How are we going to help people just stay engaged and keep it fun and light? Naturally, I went to buzzer bingo. And Mm. so that was created and it will forever be part of my repertoire now. And it was like wildly successful. So like content has definitely changed. Like how we engage with people has changed. And I think you have to keep it light. And I think the other part is like the human side, too. You have small children. I have small children. Most people are homeschooling their kids. We're all living and working in the same house. No one has left their house for like a year. And it's hard. It's hard to sit in front of a screen and and listen to a webinar and give it your full attention for 30 minutes, let alone an hour or an hour and a half. And so for me, I feel like it's our responsibility as marketers to make it valuable for them, but not valuable from like, oh, here's why Couchbase is so valuable for you. I want it to be kind of like this reciprocal experience where like they get something so much more out of it. They get an hour and a half of light banter and fun and engaging conversation and buzzword bingo. And, and I want them to walk away feeling lighter and happier and not just like, okay, great. I just, yeah, mm-hmm. I learned something, but no, oh, I'm an hour behind mm-hmm. work and was it really worth it? Could I have saved yep. my time by doing something else? I think bringing in that human element has been even more top of mind than previously, or I think just that sensitivity and empathy to it. And how else has content changed and the way that we engage with people change in the last year? I would say that we have our hands-on workshops, which used to be an in-person format, but they're still full day. They're like six hours still and they're virtual and we're having great registration, but we have a lot of drop-off when it comes to like actually staying on the full time. So we have to like relook at that and reiterate and we keep doing that. I think there's still a lot of things that aren't going perfectly, but a lot of good has come out of the virtual format, a lot of creativity and levity.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think it's really interesting what you say about the balance between scale and the human element. That's something that still a lot of people are trying to figure out. How do you leverage the new environment and the new uh, openness to virtual interactions, but at the same time, make them valuable or as valuable as in-person interactions? And I think a lot of brands are still on that journey.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to take a lot of iterations. And also Mm. it's like what's worked a few times you're still going to have to reinvent that. You're still going to have to recreate it and keep it fresh and keep it innovative because you can only do the same, you know, dog and pony show so many times before it gets tired, right?
1: Yeah. But the good thing, I guess, or the benefit of being digital and being in an online environment is that you have the opportunity to gain the data to iterate, which you probably wouldn't have necessarily had in real world events where you just see who's signed up, who's turned up and who might have been interacting with the sales team. Suddenly you are able to tell how people have consumed the content for how long, what sort of actions they've taken during the webinar and so on.
0: Right. Exactly. And also, I think another huge value to it is that because we have been able to narrow our focus on tier one and tier two accounts, I think it makes it even more valuable because it's exactly who you're trying to engage with. Right. Whereas like in person, mm-hmm. you, know, you might have to kind of like lower your standards to increase your average just to fill a room because like you might only be interested in five people for an in-person event, but five people doesn't make a happy hour. Right? So that you're able to kind of just have higher quality focus and attendees at your events. And I think it kind of makes those interactions even more valuable from a data standpoint, like you were saying.
1: So in terms of your role as a field marketer, there might be some people listening who are just starting out in field marketing, or somebody who's going to operate at your seniority level for the first time, like what would your advice be to those people?
0: My advice would be I think field marketing hands down begins and ends with your sales team, build that relationship, take that time, have an intimate knowledge of who their target accounts are, what works for them, what doesn't. I think that To be successful, you have to be fully aligned and in lockstep with your sales organization. And that's from the SDR to the account executive to your area directors to your VP. And make sure that you're able to understand what their expectations are. What does success look like? And then also set your expectations because you're not an assistant to sales, you're a strategic partner. And I think it's important to. As I remember years ago, and after a very successful event in Boston, I sat down to dinner with an account executive and a channel sales manager. And we sat down to our tequila and oysters and, and he said, Lindsay, you earned your bones today. This is his first interaction with me. And I think obviously the intention was good, but this is the dynamic with marketing and sales. You do have to earn your bones. You have to build that relationship. You also have to understand the godfather references or whatever, all those things. So I think where to start is making sure that you really have that relationship so that when meetings come across the table, deals come across the table, they feel like, hey, we did that with marketing. We did that with that field marketer. And there's lots of deals that have come across the finish line. And I feel like we're high-fiving the whole way because like, we've been nurturing those people for months, in a lot of cases, years before that deal goes across the table. And I think that you have to have that camaraderie and that rapport with your sales organization. And then I think learning when to push back and having the confidence to push back with some of the asks or demands from sales because you are the strategic partner. And as one person has said to me, it's like, oh, well, you know, like one salesperson said to me like, oh, well, you're the expert. It's like, yeah, you're damn right. I am. I am the expert on field marketing. And I think that sales should be able to look to you and be able to trust your expertise. So I think that's where to start. And also you can't say yes to everything. And so learning where to tailor make and where to standardize and really just being able to scale so that you're able to focus on what's important. And it's not just the MQLs and tossing them over the fence, but really following through What what is the journey of that MQL before and after and helping your sales team, enabling them truly with content. It's more than just an event. You have to provide more than just events to be successful and just equipping them on what to do with them and with the MQLs, with the deals that are in pipeline, the opportunities. And I think Another important aspect as a field marketer to remember is that I think it's also our responsibility to help maintain momentum and velocity, not just to build the velocity, but to maintain that momentum. And that kind of goes beyond the events, like what kind of experiences or campaigns can we create so that when you have very long sales cycles, which I think a lot of B2B marketers and salespeople experience... How do we maintain that momentum? Because I think it's very important. There's a lot of things demanding our prospects attention. And so how do we as a brand stay top of mind? And how do we help sales initiate the relationship, build the relationship and just create that overall experience? Because we're the first impression most of the time.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. I think that's valuable advice for everybody who's listening and uh, wants to operate in field marketing successfully. So thank you so much, Lindsay. It was really great to chat to you. If people want to continue the conversation with you and learn more about field marketing or simply want to network, where can they connect with you?
0: Probably the easiest place would be LinkedIn. Felix can put my LinkedIn handle in the description.
1: I will. Thank you so much, Lindsay.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.
1: You've been listening to the State of Sales Enablement podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe in your favorite podcast player. If you want to learn more about sales enablement, you'll find a growing number of articles, videos, and templates specifically for enterprise technology businesses at krugermarketing.com learn. That's K-R-U-E-G-E-R marketing.com learn.